Hallelujah. Can we lift our voice? Lift our hands. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for this divine intervention in this house. God, we thank you for the ministering angels in this house. God, we thank you for your presence. And God, we thank you for what you're doing in this house, God, because it is not of man. Hallelujah. Only God can do what we saw. Only God can do that. There's nothing we can do in our own power. There's nothing we can do in our own, our own will or our own idea to make that happen. But that is only by God. How awesome is that? Amen. In the book of Isaiah, it says, For with stammering lips and another tongue, God gives it for the rest and refreshing for his people. Amen. How awesome is that? Even Isaiah prophesied that people would speak in tongues. Even Isaiah prophesied that it would be the rest and the refreshing by which his people would rest. Amen. We're no longer held by a Sabbath. We're no longer held by a day where we have to take, of course we need a day, amen, to rest and get refreshed. But amen, we rest in the Holy Ghost every day. We rest in the Holy Ghost every hour that we can, amen. When you got the Holy Ghost, that is your way to connect to God. When you got the Holy Ghost, when you have the Spirit of God inside of you, that is how we connect to God, amen. When, we're, when we don't have the Holy Ghost, it's hard because you're, you're disconnected. Why? We're born into this world with sin. Amen. But when we get the Holy Ghost, and more especially when we are baptized, that sin is removed. Amen. The scripture in Acts 2.38 says for remission of sins. That means it's gone. It's paid for. That means you've got a receipt and you're giving it to the Lord and say, here, here you go. Because guess what? We can't get out of this world with sin. But God removes it when we get the Holy Ghost. God removes it when we get baptized in Jesus' name. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Praise God. I don't know how to follow up with what God did, but I just want to be led by the Holy Ghost. I want to be led by the flow of God in this house. So why don't we turn our Bibles to Philippians 3, 13 through 14. You can stand, you can sit. I, it doesn't matter to me. But Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things are which, which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word, God. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, let your word fall on good ground today, God. Let our hearts soak up your word like a sponge. God, allow us to be sensitive and allow, us to, allow me to be in your flow, God. Allow me to get rid of my flesh and all my own thoughts, God, but let me be led by your thoughts today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lift up our voices one more time. Let's, let's clap our hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Say amen as you're seated. In Jesus' name, praise God. I wanted to talk about this topic today, stay the course, amen. Navigation is the art from getting from one place to another, amen. But not only just to get from one place to another, but we have to do it efficiently. We have to do it safely. And whenever you find yourself in a mall, uh, 
walking home from school, driving a car, you're using the tools of early navigation. We have this thing called GPS, and GPS uses the very same technology, of course, with crazy satellites and, and all this stuff, but it still uses the same math. It uses the same stuff by which sailors would use on a boat to get to where they needed to go. Amen. We have to get from point A to point B, but how do we get there? We get these things called tools. Amen. I work with tools every day for my job, and if I don't have the correct tool, or if I don't have the, the correct way to do the job, it's not going to get done right. Amen. I might end up in a place where I wouldn't expect to be. But if I have the right tools, I have the ability to do what I need to do. Amen. But what if you found yourself in a place that you didn't recognize, such as in the middle of the ocean? What would you do? The earliest boats date back hundreds and thousands of years ago with some evidence expressing that prehistoric man may have used simple boats just to navigate up the, up the seas. And the oldest boat that we can actually see and touch is called the Pesce Canoe. It was discovered in an excavation in the Netherlands. Carbon dating says it's old. I don't agree with how old it says it is, but, <laughs> but uh, indicating our ancestors had been at sea for a very long time. When they ventured out of the sight of the land, the navigator was able to determine his latitude, which is the north and south direction that he was going, by observing the height of the sun during the day and the north star at night. So these sailors, they had tools to navigate their course. These sailors had the ability to, to consider, are, are we going north, are we going south, are we going east, or are we going west? But the hardest one for them to understand is if they're going east or west. Um, of course, they had the compass, but they would have to look at the stars, and God, by his grace, gave us a tool where the stars don't move. Of course, they rotate, but during the time of the year, they would be aware of where the stars were. So if they looked at night where the stars were, they were able to navigate. They could see where the sun was at. They were able to navigate by these signs, amen, which is uh, called celestial navigation. They would use a compass, amen. The compass wasn't invented till about the 13th century, but the compass tells us always where north is, amen. God gives us similar tools. God gives us similar things for us to use as we stay on this course, amen, as we run this race with God, the sailors also used this thing called a lead line where they could drop it in the water and, and the sailors would specifically say in their maps what kind of, of uh, dirt or what kind of sediment or what kind of uh, sand was on the ground by using this lead weight with a hollow center. They could pick up the stuff off the bottom of the ocean and they could take a look at how long their line was to see how deep they were or how, how far away from the land that they were if they were uh, unable to see it. But in 1484, they came up with this thing called the astrolabe, where that they were able to detect where they were going east and west, rather than just only having the ability to go north and south. Amen. But the hazards of sea travel during that time were clearly illustrated by Columbia, Columbus's experience. Does anybody remember learning about Columbus in school? I do. His journal reveals that he did not even know how to calculate latitude properly. 
and his determinations being too far high. And like all sailors at the time, he was unable to calculate the longitude, which is the, the east to west. And when he had countered the Americas, he actually thought that he had reached India, which explains why the name of the Indies and the Indians are still attached to the lands he found. Amen. God calls us out to sail the seas of life. God calls us to say the course, to get to the day where we get to see Jesus Christ or he comes to see us, amen. God gives us the tools to navigate the seas of life. But unlike Columbus, we're not sailing on seas blind, amen. We have the vision to see where we're going. We have the ability to see where we're going. How? By the promises of God, amen. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 through 22 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given us a spirit, of, in, the, given us a spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God gives us a promise. Amen. We, there's going to be a day where we get to see streets of gold. There's going to be a day where we get to see heaven. Amen. That is the very reason why God gives us these tools to navigate this life. Amen. Because we're not promised tomorrow. Amen. We're, we're, but it's our job to make sure that we're listening to God. It's our job to make sure that we're following the purpose of God as we go from point A to point B. So amen. God gives us tools to get from point A to point B, just like these sailors had tools to get, point, to get from point A to point B. Amen. God promises to never leave us comfortless. Amen. Not only comfortless, but to come and abide in our hearts by his spirit, as we have seen today, and let it be manifest in the house. Amen. How awesome is that? The Holy Ghost is the greatest tool that God gives us. The Holy Ghost is the best tool that God gives us to get from point A to point B. And without it, you're unable to get to point B. You might be able to say, oh, I might be at, at, at A, but I'm not sure. When you run a race, you have to have qualifications. Amen. When you're running a race, you have to have specific things and, and qualities that you, you hit before you're even able to start the race. If you're running a marathon, you have to be able to run more than a mile. If you're running a marathon, or if you're biking in a marathon, you have to be able to bike more than 20 miles. If you're swimming, you have to be able to swim longer than 100 yards. Amen. And God gives us that same opportunity through the Holy Ghost, amen, that we can get from point A to point B. And guess what? When he gives you the Holy Ghost, it's no longer your righteousness, but guess what? He covers you in his own righteousness. We don't deserve it, but guess what? The grace of God and the Spirit of God hover over you. If you, if you look at that word for grace, it is expressed by two, two, word, two letters, amen, in the, in the Hebrew. And it is like, it is a field or a, uh, it's a fence around what looks to be like a sperm or the seed of life, amen. So when God, we're under the grace of God, not only are we covered, but we're inside of a fence, amen. How beautiful is that? That we're inside of a fence, regardless of what we do, where we go, what's happening in our lives, God is still going to protect us. Even if we're doing what we want to do. If you have the Holy Ghost, if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, doesn't matter where you're going, but guess what? God's going to direct your path. But guess what we have to do? We have to use the tools. We have to listen. We have to be obedient to what God wants us to do. Amen. God established you and his promise before the world began. Amen. The scripture says in Philippians that we're predestinated. God predestinated us to be here in the church. 
not to not predestinated us to to be on a specific journey that I, I don't I can do whatever I want to in my life and I'm going to be saved. No, because we're not promised tomorrow. If I'm living in sin and I'm not repentant, the scripture tells me where I'm going. Amen. But it's my choice. It's my job to repent. It's my job to get clean. It's my job to listen to God and, and follow his purpose to get where I need to go. Amen. We're predestinated to be in the church. Amen. No matter what, the church is predestinated to go to heaven. The church is predestinated to rule as kings and priests in heaven. Amen. And guess what? It's our job to make sure we're a part of that. It's our job. Not, not brother, whoever, not their job, not pastor's job. Pa- pastor's job is to help you get there. He's one of the tools. Amen. But it's our job to get there. Amen. Sometimes getting from here to heaven is a ride, amen? It's like sailing the rough seas. Sometimes they're waves, sometimes they're nice days, sometimes bad days, but God doesn't promise us that it will be easy. It's not gonna be easy, but he gives us the tools, amen? If we think about Paul the apostle, he's very familiar with sailing the seas, amen? I'm sure Paul had the compass, the maps, maybe an astrolabe, But regardless of the tools he had, sometimes a shipwreck is part of what God has planned. Have you been through a shipwreck before in your life? I have. Not a literal one. (laughs) Praise God, I've never been through a literal shipwreck. But shipwrecks hurt. Shipwrecks throw us off course. Shipwrecks make us question God. Paul not only felt these things, but he expressed it in the word of God, that he felt those very same things. But guess what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7? I have fought. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Amen. That's what Paul gets to say. Do do we get to say that? Absolutely. I get to say, Lord, I've finished my my race. After we, Paul knew that he was going to be going. He was going to get killed. And what he was expressing to Timothy was, Timothy, I got to raise you up. I got to build you up. I got I, I to help you, Timothy, to make you the man of God that you need to be. But let me tell you this, Timothy. I have, fought, I have finished the race. I have fought the good fight of faith. But guess what? Now Timothy gets to do the same thing. But he has to follow the very things that he was taught, not only by his bishop, Timothy, but now he gets to run that race by himself. Now he has to run that race when nobody's by his side. He has to run that race when, when nobody uh, is approving his ministry. He has to now run that race when, when nobody's paying attention to him. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Paul kept the faith. And Paul says no matter what the course is, he had the tools. He had the ability. He had the promises. He had the faith. And he trusted no matter what he was going through, guess what, what is the scripture? That all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's how Paul could say that. Paul was working in, in, in the ministry of God. Paul was uh, uh, working in according to the purpose and the calling that God has placed in his life. So Paul could affirm that and say that strongly that I know all things work together for the good for those that are called according to his purpose. Amen. It takes certain tools to stay the course. Amen. It takes prayer. 
God gives us the tool of prayer to get closer to him. God gives us the tool of prayer to get, to get rid of my thoughts, to get rid of my ideas, to get rid of what I want to do. When we, when we get a time of prayer, it's sacrificial. And, and, and it's, a, it's a type and a shadow of the, the, uh, the incense and the tabernacle. So those things are raising up to God. And those things are, are protecting us. Our, our prayers protect us. Amen. Your prayers protect somebody else. This is a spiritual warfare. It's not just a, it's, it's not a, a war against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities, rulers of the darkness of this world, things in high places. Amen. When those incense rise up, they hit the mountains. Amen. They hit those high places. And then the enemy starts to get scattered because they can't see anymore. The enemy doesn't have the ability, amen, to see anymore because those, those prayers are being raised up, amen. We, we, we live in a, a world where we only can see three dimensions. But let me tell you this, there are four dimensions. And that fourth dimension is a spiritual realm, amen. There's, it, you can't see it. But if you have the ability by being spiritual, by tapping into the Holy Ghost, by prayer, the closer you get to God, the more you can see of this fourth dimension, where you can see the spiritual uh, ramifications of our actions, where you can start to see angels ministering, spirits ministering in ways that we can't see in our flesh. But when we are in the spirit, we start to see things happen. We start to think, see things be manifested. We start to see angels helping people. We start, we start to see, uh, we can even see fallen angels moving and and you can see and you can see things that you never would have thought that you'd seen in your whole life but god won't give you more than you can handle amen god won't give you more than you can handle in this life but let me tell you this when you tap into the holy ghost in prayer amen you get closer to god the closer we get to god the closer that that we get to separating ourselves from our flesh amen amen 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always in everything, giving, in everything giving thanks, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Amen. It takes discipline to the flesh. Discipline to our flesh is another tool that God gives us. It's getting rid of us is one of the greatest tools that help navigate the course of this life. Why? Because when we're not doing our will, we're doing the will of God. When we're not doing what we planned we're listening to God. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against this, there is no law. Amen. I couldn't do that in, in my flesh. I couldn't. I didn't have the ability to, not, to, to have joy or love or peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, especially self-control. Amen. Without crucifying my flesh, without discipline to my flesh, I am literally unable to have self-control. My actions, I'm angry, especially as men. We get, we get frustrated. We want to throw our fists at everything. We want to use our mouths to, to hinder everybody. We want to beat people up with our, our words and our fists. Amen. But he says the fruit of the Spirit are these things. Love, joy, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And when we allow God, when we allow ourselves to be separated from our flesh, we then become the instrument of God. 
to produce these things called spiritual fruits. Amen. And that's part of the discipline of the flesh or the tool that God gives us as we're navigating this course of life. And without it, we can't, we can't serve God. It's literally impossible. But these things have to be tapped into. How do we get there? By prayer. How do we get tapped into that? By repentance. How do we get tapped into that? We have to get rid of the flesh. That's how we tap into those things. If we allow ourselves to be in our flesh, you can have the spirit of God inside of you and still be in your flesh, 100%. Amen? Amen? We can. But we have to get rid of our flesh in order to be disciplined, to listen. Why do we have to get rid of our flesh? Romans 8, 6, and 11 says, For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But if you are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. But if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Amen. If you got the Holy Ghost, God has given you righteousness. If you got the Holy Ghost, you are no longer bound by the sin that you were born into this world with. Amen. Because guess what? Our body's going to die in this world along with the sin that it came with. Amen. And God has given us a promise. He said, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. He says, I'm going to give you righteousness. I'm going to give you my grace. I'm going to give you the empowerment to do my will. Amen. And then, and then the next tool is obedience. Obedience is a powerful tool. Obedience is spiritual warfare. Because when I'm obedient to my pastor, you know what that tells the enemy? Well, why, aren't, why aren't you being obedient to your flesh? Well, why, is he not, why is he not doing the things that he used to do? Hmm. So then it's spiritual warfare. Now, now when I abide in my pastor, when I, when I am obedient to my pastor, now I'm under a covering, amen? I'm under, a co I'm under an umbrella where if the rain comes, the storms come, I can abide in him. But guess what? Not only that, I can abide in God, amen? It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Our pastor is, is our bridge to God. He, he can see things that we can't see. Our leadership can see things in our lives that we can't see. So when we're obedient, we're participating in spiritual warfare because we're not being rebellious. The scripture says that rebellion is witchcraft. What's witchcraft? It's sin. It is sin. It is bona fide sin when we are living in rebellion. So, you know, if pastor asks you to do something, I'm not saying if you don't do it, it's rebellion. <laughs> But what I'm saying is, if you don't complete what he says to do, you might be in rebellion. Hey, ma'am, I want to be obedient to God. I want to use the tool that God's given me. I want to be obedient. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Amen. Obedience is a tool that God gives us to humble us. When we're humble, we're no longer filled with pride. And there's three things that makes man fall. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, 
the, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. Amen. Those are the three things that, that hinder us, that every single man and woman on this earth, and there's only a man and a woman, amen, there's n- nothing else, uh, but God gives us the ability through the Holy Ghost to overcome those three things. We're bound in our flesh by those three things, but when we have the Holy Ghost, we're no longer slaves to those three things, Amen. Egypt offered all three of those things. We see David, King David, we see King Solomon, and we see King Saul participating in all three of those things. And what did it do to Israel? It hindered Israel. It, it, it allowed Israel to not be what Israel needed to be. And that's the same thing it does for us. If we're serving God, but we're participating in the very thing that we used to partake of, which is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, then we're in the very same place as King David, as King Solomon, as King Saul. We're now, we're in a place, a limbo. We're in a place where we don't want to be, but amen, God gives us a choice. He gives us repentance, amen. When we serve God and we sin, it's our choice. When we're not serving God and we sin, we're bound by sin already. We're just, we, it's in our nature to sin. Jesus was in all points tempted as we were, yet without sin. How awesome is that? That he gives us a, a way to look at. He gives, us a, a, he gives us something to see so what we can follow it. Amen? He gives us something to look at. He, he did it. If Jesus can do it, I can do it. We, we live in this life, but how, how did he do it? He was literally God manifested in the flesh. But let me tell you this. Who abides in my heart? Jesus Christ by the Holy Ghost, amen? So if, if God abided in Jesus and now Jesus abides in me, I can do it. I don't have to sin any longer. I don't have to be bound by my thoughts. I don't have to be bound by, by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. I do not have to be bound by those things. But guess what? It's my decision now. It's not nobody else's decision. It's not my flesh's decision. It is my mind, Amen. The scripture says uh, in Deuteronomy 6, to worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Amen. And guess what? The enemy attacks us from that very same way. But guess what? It's flip-flopped. He wants to attack our mind. Then he wants to attack our, our heart and he wants our soul. And then he wants to get to our heart. And once he's in your heart, I'm sorry. It's going to be tough to get back to where you need to go. But guess what? If God says, I give you an option, there's an advocate. There's an advocate. Amen. And who's that? Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen. We have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate. If you sin today and you are serving God, guess what? You have repentance. It's not, it's not an option or an obligation to live in sin and, and just keep keep going back because guess what? Every time we sin and we're serving God, we're putting him back up on the cross. That blood has to be shed again. That blood has to be shed again every single time because guess what? God had you in mind. What did I say? You were predestinated. So what does that mean? God knew exactly what you were going to do from the foundation of the earth. From the foundation of the earth. And guess what? God has a calling, a purpose for each and every single person in this house Amen. James 1.22 says, 
but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Amen. God gives us a word. God gives us a calling. God gives us this thing called, there's two words in the Bible. In, uh, there's rhema and there's logos. Jesus is logos. Amen. He was the thought or the intent that God had from the very beginning for us. God loves us so much. What does John 1 say? In the beginning was God, the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word there is Logos. That Word is Logos, thought or intent of what God has. But let me tell you this. The other word is Rhema. And Rhema means a specific word. Rhema means revelation, a revelatory word that God gives and if we look in James 1.22, it says, Be ye doers of the word. That word there is rhema. God will give you a word. God will speak into your life. God will give you convictions. Amen. But we have to be obedient to those convictions. We have to be obedient to that rhema word that God gives us. Every word that God gives us is going to line up in this, in this book. Every word that God gives us, every conviction that God gives us is going to line up with Scripture. Amen. But what does James say? Be ye doers of the rhema. Be ye doers of what God gives you. Be ye doers of not only the rhema, but of the word itself, the Scripture. Amen. The other tool that God gives us is desire. Amen. Does anybody have a desire in the house? Does anybody... I desire ice cream, good food, time to relax. Amen. That sounds nice. I really desire that. <laughs> but a desire for the things of God is a tool that God gives us and allows us to have to take part in his kingdom. God gives us a desire in our hearts to serve him. Proverbs 10.24 says, The fear of the wicked will come upon him. And the desire of the righteous will be granted. God gives us the desires of our hearts. Good, bad, ugly, nasty. He will. He'll give it to you. If you, if you want to be the, the biggest and baddest and, and the coolest and, and whatever best gangbanger you can be, God's going to do it. And guess where you're going to go? Where you don't want to go. I can tell you that right now. If, you've been, if you have a desire to uh, be a, a rock star or, or whatever, God might allow it to happen. But guess what? You're not going to be happy. Desire is a tool. It can be good. It can be bad. It can be ugly. But when we desire the things and the promises of God and the calling of God, those things come to pass. Amen. We have a desire, and guess what? Regardless of what God gives us them. You desire to be popular. You desire to be a big preacher. God's going to give that to you. You desire to, but you're desiring a tough ministry. God's going to say you really want that, huh? <laughs> Life begins to get tough and rough. Start to get attacks. Families being torn apart. What happened, God? You said you wanted to do this. You said you wanted to be a preacher. You said you wanted to be a teacher. You said you want to be used in the kingdom of God. 
But what does Paul say? I counted all as dung. All, 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 everything that I used to do, I counted all as dung. But no matter what I go through for Christ, it doesn't matter. Paul said it did. Shipwrecks, pain, being stoned, it's worth it. And there's going to be times, amen, when we go through a shipwreck. There's going to be a time when we're sailing way too north, way too south, way too east, way too west. But God says, I love you. I'm going to give you the tools. But you have to use those tools wisely. You have to know how to use the tools. Amen. If you're not using the tools right, you might end up too far north. You might end up too far south. But if we think about Paul's life in Philippians 3, he expresses the talents, the wisdom, the ha- that everything that he had in this world is nothing compared to what he has earned in Christ. What did Paul earn in Christ? Shipwrecks. What did Paul earn in Christ? Depression, probably. Anger. Upset. Well, what do you mean this guy gets to go to preach in, to Asia? And I don't. Why? It's all about our perspective. And sometimes when we have an incorrect perspective, we can allow ourselves to be in the wrong place. We can even be in the wrong boat with the wrong perspective. God says, this is your boat, but you're in the dinghy across the way, going down the rapids, white, wa- white water rapids, ba- backwards, no, uh, no paddle, with blinders on, in a fetal position, about to fly out of the boat. But God gives us the tools, amen. God gives us the things that we need. Praise God. Why don't, why don't we all stand? I'm going to come to a close. Um, I'm not sure where Sister Tamara's at. Okay. Uh, could you? Okay. But um, Philippians 1, 5, and 6 says, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. God is going to complete a good work in you. God is going to complete something in your life that you've never expected. God is going to do something in your life that you've never seen come to pass. God is going to do something and raise you up. God raises us up. Amen. When we serve God, God raises us up. How? Because we become a servant. We become a servant. Amen. And when, and we, when we become a servant... God makes us a leader. God makes us something that we've never been in our lives. I've never been good at speaking in my whole life, but God says, I want you to be a preacher. I said, okay, God, whatever you want. Uh, You know, you're good at music, you're good at this, but I want you to be a preacher. Me? Why? I don't know. But God says, this is what I have planned for you. God says, this is what he has for you. God is doing a good work in your life. Amen. God's given you the tools to run the course, to stay on course, to be able to focus, to keep the faith, and to keep on with the keep on, amen, until the day that Jesus comes. Either he's going to come to you or we're going to go to him, amen.
2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says, For I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not to me only, but also to all that have loved his appearing. That's awesome. But guess what? We, we get to say the same thing that Paul says. Amen. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And God has a crown of righteousness for me. Guess what? It's not my crown. It's not my crown. But God says... You get to rule and reign with me as kings and priests in heaven. Do we deserve that? No. If you don't feel like you're on the right course today, God has divinely opened the windows of heaven upon you today. He's given you the opportunity to give your life to him. Amen. Pastor already nailed the head on the tee, talking about the Holy Ghost, about what baptism does for us. Amen. But he gives us the promise of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But understand this. The scripture says that no man will enter heaven without it. We have to have the Holy Ghost don't have the Holy Ghost, my God says it's a promise for you. Amen. What was one of the tools that God gives us? He gives us his promises. Amen. To stay the course, to ride the ship that he's allowed us to sail. Amen. We have to have the Holy Ghost. We have to. No question about it. He says you have to be born again to enter. And then he says it for a second time. Or he says to see the kingdom of God first. And then he says to enter the second time. When we, when we allow ourselves to go to the store, we have to see that store first. But then we have to enter into the store in order to get into the store. Amen. nobody in the house has the Holy Ghost, God wants to give it to you today. And what's the second step? We have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. As I talked about in the beginning, that word remission is like a ticket, a receipt for our actions. Amen. Jesus Christ paid price for you to take part on this very ship. Amen. Why don't we pray?